I'm so glad that you're here today, especially for the fathers that are here on Father's Day. Think about it. Before we knew Jesus, this is not where we would be. We would be sleeping right now or doing something else. But just, just you being here speaks volumes, not just to your family, but it speaks something to our Heavenly Father. Part of our vision here is that Father's Day would be the highest attended service in the entire year. Not for attendance sake, but because if God gets the hearts of the fathers, he got the entire family. And, that, and if, if God gets the family, then the communities are changed. Then our cities are changed and the world is changed. It really starts with the fathers. Some of you might be here and Father's Day is a tough time because like me, my father passed away. So it's tough to celebrate today. Yet we have a heavenly father who created us for eternity. So I'm going to see my dad again. And even though at an early age he left us and there are some not so good things that have happened, maybe God is doing something in me that perhaps I can learn what not to do that my dad did that hurt me. But that he's going to even use what was not good and turn it into something good. Some of you are here and maybe your husband is not here or your father is not here physically because they chose not to be here today and they wanted to do something else. That's fine. You shine the light of Christ in their lives until one day they will say, you know what I want to do on Father's Day? I want to go to church. And you got to keep it cool. You just be like, oh, okay, yeah, because we go every Father's Day. Then behind closed doors, yeah, you can celebrate. But you just want to shine the love of Jesus Christ and, and one day they'll turn and they'll be here. But today as we celebrate Father's Day, God is our Heavenly Father. And we're starting a brand new series today called The Habit because we want to develop good godly habits. Every single person has habits. We all do. Sometimes we know we have a habit and sometimes we don't. And normally when we recognize we have a habit, it's because someone pointed it out. For instance, we have good habits and bad habits. Bad habits are... Okay, when I, when I see these good and bad habits, some of you will smile because that's you. Some of you will get like an elbow because that's the person telling you, they're talking about you. So just be straight and don't, don't need to, you know, beat each other up this morning. But here are some bad habits. You eat at the table and you leave your dishes there. Bad habit. Or you eat in the room. Just, you just eat in the room. That's not a good habit because in the family they say no eating in the room. Some of you have a bad habit of not putting away your shoes. You just leave it in the front for everyone to trip on, especially when mom comes home. And you're going to hear the same thing over and over again. And you're thinking, why you always got to grumble? Well, why you got to always leave your shoes? So it's cyclical. The best thing to do is just put your shoes away. No one's leg gets broken and you don't get lickings. It's a win-win situation. Some of us have a bad habit of not picking up our clothes after we come home from school or work. Now, some of you guys are whispering. You're like, see, that's you. The pastor telling us must be God speaking to you. And you're glad you came to church today because now you can say, see, you need to clean up. But some of us have those kinds of habits. And they're not really that bad of a habit. It's not an evil habit, but it's not a good habit. On the other hand, some of us do have good habits, and we do clean up after ourselves. We do pick up after ourselves. And so we have some good habits. We put things away. But that's the physical things. You know, we will do those things, and we'll take care of that. But then I thought, Lord, what about spiritual habits? Because we can, we can deal with the, the physical habits. We can deal with those things, and, and we'll grumble about it. We'll complain, but... When it comes to spiritual habits, do we even recognize that? Do we even recognize we have bad spiritual habits or good spiritual habits? Does it even make a difference? Does it even matter to have good spiritual habits? Or what if our habits turn into a religion? What if we just go through the motions? I have a habit. I have a habit of doing religious things, but it doesn't change my life. So in this series, we want to look at the habits that develop a godly lifestyle. Habits that we can use and habits that we can develop so that we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. I'm going to ask you to take out your notes and that will help you to follow along. It's in your bulletin. And we want to learn today how to develop godly habits. Throughout this entire series, we're going to learn that a habit is defined as a settled or regular tendency or practice. It's something that you always do. 
It, it's just, you practice it all the time and it becomes a habit. And you want to develop good godly habits. Now, some habits are hard to give up. The ones that are bad, they're hard to give up. But we know that God will give us the strength to, when we give up those bad habits, he's going to replace them with good godly habits. And the more you feed your spirit, the more the flesh loses. And so we're going to learn some things today. Being the hero of the family, if we think of fathers, is something that our children look up to. They will, you will automatically be the hero of your family as a father. You're, you're going to be that. As time goes on, if we, if we lose credibility with our children, then that heroic nature that our children see in us may slowly diminish. It may slowly decay because now we're forgetting that we're the hero of the family. Even though we talk about Father's Day today or we're celebrating Father's Day, every single person can develop good godly habits. And we're going to look at three of them today that will help us to become people who lead well or who develop the habit of leading. All of our children are going to look up to someone. It may be you as a parent. It may be someone else in the world. It may be their peers. They're going to look for someone to lead them. The other week we were in Costco in the mainland and they had this, they had this section of massage chairs. And some of you, when you go there, you just sit there and you're like, you know what, go shop. I'm going to be here. I'm going to sit here and I'm just, you can go shopping. Well, my son Jordan was in one of these chairs and he came up to me and said, Dad, you got to try one of these chairs. And I said, ah, I don't, I don't want to, Jordan. And he saw my face, so he goes, Dad, they clean it, you know. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll try then. I'll check it out. <laughs> so I sat in this thing, and you know, some of the chairs, they're just weak sauce. It's just, there's, there's no, they, all it is is just these things pressing your back. There's no consistency. It, it just moves you around, and you just, you just feel like it, there's nothing. Like, I don't know if you're the kind of person that when you get a massage, once they touch your back, you're like, ow, 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 too hard, too hard. Me, I'm like, if Heidi needs to massage me, I'm like, you got to give me some elbow. Go get a baseball bat. Some of us, we're that, we're that tense, you know, we're that, we have that much knots in our back that you got to get a jackhammer just to get your back loose. Some of us are like that. That's probably why you don't massage your spouse. It's like, I cannot massage you. I, I got to punch you back. And sometimes you take advantage of that. So I'm sitting in this chair and it's not doing any good until this thing comes down on my shoulders and it locks me in. And so the, the, the chair is massaging me, and, I, and I'm feeling great. I said, Jordan, this thing is unbelievable. And then it starts, like, poking you all around, and, and oh, I'm, I'm sitting there. And, and, you know, it's just like, oh, this. All right, yeah. Yeah, that's the knot. Yeah, that knot, that's my children. That, right? There, oh, that's my job. Oh, that's my wife. That's, that's not you, Heidi. I was just, in, in general, in general. And we have these, these, these tensions in our back and in our muscles. When I was done sitting in that chair and I stood up, I felt great. You feel relaxed. You, you, you feel a little woozy because you're sitting down and, and you know, your, your blood is flowing now. And I thought, I feel better physically because there were knots in my back that this thing took out. And here's what I want us to catch today. That some of us are spiritually tensed. We have spiritual knots. That we're dealing with situations that it's, it's, not a, it's not just a situation. It's not a family thing. It's not work. It's not, it's not thought processing. It's not school. It's not teachers. It's not parenting. It's not a person. It's a spiritual battle that's taking place in your life. And there's a spiritual knot there. And today I want us to sit under the Holy Spirit's power that will come in and kind of loosen those knots. Now, for some of us, he's going to press and it's going to be, ah, 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 so, so, so. But it's for good. Some of us, you're like, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Stop punching my spirit. Just beat me up. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I'll do. But I tell you this, at the end of today, the hope is that we will understand these good godly habits. That as the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to take out those knots, you're going to feel some painful moments, but it's a good painful moment. He's trying to loosen up our spirit. The habit of leading is found throughout the world. 
you have people who lead well and then people who don't. In fact, we're going to pray because just this past week we saw a, a person who, I'm, I'm not sure how he was led in his life, but he walked into this church, sat with them through their Bible study, shot the pastor or the reverend, and then eight other people, eight other members that were there in the Bible study. We can point to various things. But I can tell you one thing. He was led in the wrong direction. And I think for us, it's, it's not just a wake-up call for our nation and our world and, and, and things like that. It's really a reminder of the kind of evil we face every single day. It may not be a shooting in our family, but it may be a spiritual battle that we don't know how to overcome. But God says, I can but what we're going to do is we're going to pray right now for that church and that community in South Carolina. And we're just going to ask the Lord for his grace and his peace. If you would bow your heads with me for a moment. Lord, we just pray right now for the members that have suffered during this past week. We pray not just for our nation, but for Charleston and South Carolina, for their church, for the families. We pray that your spirit, Lord, your spirit of love and, and goodness would overcome evil. We live in a darkened world, Lord. We need more lights to shine. And so we ask for your grace and your peace to flood the land. So that as your believers rise up, even those who are troubled right now would sense your peace and your spirit. Yeah, we live in a world that things may go bad like how we've seen but your spirit will prevail, and that's our hope. And so we lift them all up to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. In the book of Deuteronomy, I want us to look at this scripture. It's, it's like our foundational scripture uh, throughout this series. And Deuteronomy speaks in how we're supposed to be as, as parents, as believers. And we're going to read this together. It's in your notes, or it will be up here on the screen. Deuteronomy Chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. We're going to read it together. Ready? Go. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. See, the Bible is going to teach us three powerful habits when it comes to leading. And it starts there. In fact, you can write this in your first point if you're taking some notes. Be led by his spirit. Not the world's spirit, not our personal spirit, but the Lord's spirit. The, the spirit of the living God, his spirit. You know, one of the things you and I will struggle with as fathers is this question. Did I do a good job? That's what we're going to struggle with as dads. That's the number one thing we're going to struggle with. Did I do a good job? Or you can bring it more personal in the present day. Am I doing a good job? Now, it's not to compare to anyone else. It's just a question we ask ourselves. We just ask ourselves, did I do a good job? Am I doing a good job? And we always know we can do better. And we want to do better. But the Bible tells us this is what you are to teach. And you are to teach these things as a habit. So that when you get up, when you lie down, when you're walking, it's an automatic thing. It's a habit of leading. But not just any kind of leading. You're led by his spirit. See, God will empower us to lead. Sometimes we think, I can't lead. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. My dad wasn't a good dad, so I don't know what to do. Well, we have a heavenly father, a perfect one at that. Now, we're imperfect, but imagine, imagine following a perfect father. You're going to get some good stuff. Whether you're perfect or not, when you follow a perfect father, you're going to glean some great gems. You're going to get some good principles that will help you as a father, as a mom, as a child of God. You're going to get some good principles because you're following his spirit. He's the one that's going to lead you. See, your fathers have made many sacrifices. Many sacrifices. All of our fathers made many sacrifices. You as a father make many sacrifices. 
Some of the sacrifices you make, no one's going to know. No one's ever going to reward you for it. They're not going to give you a trophy and say, oh, man, you, you did such a great job. When no one was looking, this is what you was doing, and you're, you're doing this to make a sacrifice for your family, and, and so here's the trophy for it. No one may even do that. They may give you an award, you know, like our children would put number one dad, and they'll give you that as love, but very rarely will someone recognize the sacrifices that you make. But I tell you this, every sacrifice you make for a good godly habit is recognized in heaven, as well as in your life that you live here on this earth. They may not applaud you, they may not say, hey, good job, but for some reason it makes a difference in this life, in your life and in your family's life. No one may never know about it. No one may never know that you're developing godly habits. They may not be able to pinpoint it, but it'll make a difference. You may struggle with it. You're going to feel your flesh battling with your spirit. But when your spirit wins over because you're being led by his spirit, all of heaven will rejoice. Because this world needs men who will follow God's spirit. When God gets the, the heart of man or the heart of a man, it changes the family. It makes a big difference. And we struggle with pride. I struggle with pride all the time. Ask Heidi. I mean, don't ask her, but think about it. We, we as men, we struggle with pride. But there's a different kind of pride that we should be walking with, that God has called us to be the leaders. He's called us to that. It's an, that's an honor. It's a privilege to be leaders and to be used in that kind of way. You are the hero of the family. And not even being recognized as a hero is what a hero really is. Because heroes don't want to be recognized. Superheroes don't want people to know who they really are. That's why they have their secret identity. And for us, our secret identity is, as being fathers is not so that we can perform for people so that they applaud us. Because when the applaud stops, does that mean our performance stops? See, when we're being led by his spirit, it's not about a performance. It's about being led by his spirit and living the life that he called us to live. And he'll empower us to do so. John 16 verse 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Wouldn't that be something that we would have a spirit inside of us that will guide us unto all truth? Which tells me that truth needs a guide. Otherwise, how will we know what is truth? We need his spirit to guide us. That's why we do devotions. That's why we open up the word of God. Now, I'm not a reader by choice or by default. When I used to go to school, I hated reading. And when they would say, we have a book report, I'm thinking, oh, who can I copy from? I mean, that's just being real. That's, that was me. I didn't like reading. But when I came to know Jesus and I understood that when you read the Bible, it builds your spirit, then I wanted to read. For some of you, you're not a reader. So we have this thing called the audible Bible. You can listen to the word of God. And did you know that even listening to the word of God, if you focus, it'll get the word of God in you. Just listen to the word of God. Some of you as moms having, you know, young children, you don't have time to sit down because the moment you sit down, the baby gets up, the other one is crawling on you, someone spills something or throws up or uses the bathroom, something happens. So for you to sit down, you almost like got to lock your children in the room and put food and water for them and then, ah, then, oh, now I can spend time with Jesus while your children are locked up in a kennel. Some of you are like, hey, that's not a bad idea. That's pretty good. We read our word because God wants to lead us by his spirit. And even though you're not a reader, you find a way to get into the word of God or get the word of God into you. Think about it. Men, when we go to restaurants, we don't like reading the menu. We look for pictures. We open the menu and like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that. And, um, you know, you can leave that out but put more of that. When you go to a restaurant that there's only words, you look at other people's plates. That's what you do. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. What is this uh, basil crostini? Basil, what is it, basil crostini? Oh, it's that. Oh, oh yeah, I'll have that. We're not, we're not really readers sometimes. But when you get into the word of God, it's not just to read and study the word of God. It's actually letting, letting the Bible get into you. 
letting the word of God get into you so that it can build your spirit. And when you let your spirit be built, being led by his spirit is something you want to happen. It's not a, it's not a struggle. It's not, oh, I don't want to be led by the Lord. You want to be led by the Lord because you know he's going to lead you in the right direction. And so be led by his spirit. Psalm 143, verse 10, it says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. God calls us to be leaders. He's going to lead us. He calls us to be his sons, his daughters, and he's going to lead us. He's not going to let us go astray. He's going to lead us in the right direction. In fact, Romans 8, verse 14, it says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. You're sons of God. Men, you're warriors for the king. That's who you are. You want to do battle? Then step up to be the warrior that God has called you to be. And it's not a battle of a physical nature. It's a battle of the soul. And it's an adventurous one. It's not one that you just sit down and relax. It is an adventurous walk with the Lord. It's a great journey. But we got to be led by his spirit. You're sons of God. You're destined for greatness. That's why in the book of Zechariah, verses, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not going to be on your own power or your strength. You're going to be led by his spirit because God is making you into the image he created you to be. And it's very difficult if we become hardened clay. But if we're moldable, we can be led by his spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 tells us how this happens. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, we are not fathers who simply settle for surviving. We're fathers who say we want our families to thrive and we want our spirits to thrive. So therefore, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We're going to receive this power so that we can be his witness in all of the land that we live in. We're going to need his spirit. We can't do this on our own. 1 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, it's like he's, he's, he's organizing our thought process, our spiritual life in such a way that we're not going to live by spirit by fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We're going to think different. We're not going to think the same. When that anger comes up, it's going to subside because we're choosing to be led by his spirit rather than our emotions. So here's another habit that we can do. Here's the second thing. Strengthen my spirit more than my flesh. It's a habit that we're going to develop. Now, how do we do that? Because whatever you feed the most will eventually win out the war. In the beginning, it may look like, oh, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. But whatever you feed the most will eventually win out. So if you're feeding your spirit more, it will eventually win out when you do battle with your flesh. You know when you're trying to make that decision or you're tempted and then you, you have that internal warfare? Yeah, whatever you're feeding the most will eventually win out the war. So feed your spirit more than your flesh. I didn't go to um, Hilo Hawaiian, you know, the buffet uh, in years. I haven't gone there. But we went there the other week. And when you go to a buffet and you pay a certain amount of money, you're not going to eat just salad. You're not going to just walk in there and say, yeah, I'll just have a couple, couple of noodles, some olives, maybe a little sprinkle of some cheese, kind of duke it up. And eat like $6 worth and pay 50 No way. You're walking in there with a mission. So I walked in there and get some big bratas that was, they were eating there that night. I was thinking, i got to bring my game. i gotta, got to step it up. You take off my ring because the first thing, not, well, I take off my ring because the first thing you're going to eat is crab. Oh, man. We, we act like we're starving when we go to buffets. I mean, you can go back, you know. You don't have to just pile on your plate. But we, we pile on our plates because we, 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 we're paying for it. So we want to get the best value of it. So I'll walk in there and I'll strategize. I'll say, okay, the first thing I'm going to get is crab because I want to get the best 
crab. I don't want to wait till the crab goes down because they've just brought that crab out. It's a fresh crab. I don't want the crab on the bottom because it's soaked now and it loses its flavor. I'm not going to eat it with butter because if I eat it with butter, I'm going to get full quicker. If I leave out the butter, I can have more crab. I don't want to go home and be filled with butter. I want to go home and be filled with crab. And then I'm going to skip certain things. I can have that at home. I can have that. I can have that. Keep my eye on the prime rib. Keep my eye on the prime rib because they're bringing out a fresh one. And you got to get the fresh one because you don't want the old prime rib. You don't want the one that's been there for seven minutes. You want the one that just came out of the oven. And you don't just want, well, some of you like the middle, but some of you like the ends. Because the ends, you have both the middle and the crispy part. And so you keep your eye on the prime rib. And then when it comes to desserts, you're not just going to walk up there, I'm just going to grab all the desserts because I never had desserts. No, you say, you know what? I love chocolate. Only chocolate. Only chocolates. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. Chocolate. 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 Ooh, ice cream. Oh, the vending machine has been used for about 20 minutes, so it's not as, as hard. It's still soft. So I'm going to wait a little while so that it hardens so that when I make my, and when you make your ice cream, don't just put it straight in. Come on, you guys. You got to go in a circle. Because when you go in the circle, you fill up the whole entire bowl so that when you bring it down, it doesn't look all full and ugly. You got to make it nice. Don't put sprinkles on it. You waste. You, you, you're filling yourself up with candy and, and, and little things. No, you fill it up with the good stuff. See, I know you understand because when you go to a buffet, you don't just sit down and eat. You actually plan and you strategize. Forget the chopstick. Take too long. You grab the fork and you grab the knife. Some of you grab the spoon and you eat steak with spoon. And please chew when you're eating. Some of you, you just go. Forget the napkin. It's like, you know, I can go home and bait anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> but you sit there and you, you, you do whatever you can to get the most out of your money. Because you're eating at a buffet. We do that for our flesh very well. But we neglect our spirit Compared to how we do with our flesh. Imagine, imagine that we would say to our spirit, oh, I'm going to a buffet. I'm going to a buffet. What did you get? Okay, I'm going to strategize. Okay, I'm going to work on my spirit. Okay, I'm going to work on me. I'm not going to work on Heidi because Heidi, that's between her and the Lord. But this is good for her. No, this is good for me. No, but how about I just highlight this in her Bible? I'm just going to highlight them in her Bible. I'll just text this to her. Hey, look at this scripture I got today. I'll just text it to her. And hopefully she'll catch the hint. No, 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 this is for me. And then you just eat the word of God. It's your spiritual food. You strengthen your spirit more than your flesh. Doesn't it feel good that you battle with coming to church, but then you eventually say, you know what, I'm, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And then when you get here, the Lord speaks something. And when you leave, don't you feel different? Don't you feel better? Don't you feel like, oh, God, that was for me. That was just perfect for me. It's because you're feeding your spirit. You're feeding your spirit. You're attentive to the word of God. Some of you sleeping right now, that's okay. You're hearing the word of God. It's coming in. <laughs> Scripture is being read. You're dreaming right now of your spirit coming to life. You, but when you leave here, you're going to feel better. You feel better not because you attended church or because you did a religious thing. You feel better because your spirit is now beginning to be strengthened more than your flesh. So when you're going to make a decision of the flesh and you just want to lash out, you say, wait a minute. What am I feeding? What am I going to feed? Lord, you're feeding my spirit. My spirit must win over, Lord. I want to strengthen my spirit right now. This is why I trained. This is why I read the Bible. This is why I went to church. It's for this very moment. It's for this moment right now, Lord, that we're leaving church and we don't know where to go and we're grumbling about where we're going to go. It's for this moment, Lord, that I learned this good godly habit. Lead me by your spirit. Strengthen my spirit right now. And you watch what God does. We have our uh, men's ministry that we all hope, or men, that we all hope would be a part of our lives. Now, I understand not all men can be there in our men's ministry, but Pastor Ward Kanaka'ole, he's our overseer of our men's ministry. And that's one of the areas that help strengthen our spirit. Not just attending church or, or and, and reading the Bible is great, but be around other men. Romans says this, Romans 5 verses 13 and 14. 
of Romans 8, verse 5 and 13 and 14, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You see, gathering together is not just a religious thing. It's developing a good, godly habit. That's what the Bible tells us. Do not forsake gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Did you know that you can actually develop a habit of not attending church? It's not about an organization. It's not about New Hope, Hilo Hawaii. It's about building your spirit. Whatever church you go, just go to church. Develop that godly discipline, that godly habit. And God will strengthen your spirit. See, when you're around believers, when, when we're reading the word of God, when you're in our men's ministry or, or a women's ministry or some type of ministry where you're doing things for the purpose of godliness, it helps your soul and your spirit to be strengthened. It's like building your spirit so that your spirit can beat down on your flesh when it comes down to it. The other week, we had our grandchildren with us, and they like snacks. It's after Papa. You know, they they just watch me snack all day. And one of the snacks that they like is my snack called Cliff Bars. I love Cliff Bars. And those things are expensive. They think it's Pop-Tarts. Like, Papa, we want Pop-Tarts. I say, we don't have Pop-Tarts. It goes right there. I'm like, that's my Cliff Bars. See, yeah, we want Pop-Tarts. That's not Pop-Tarts. So I try to find other snacks so that I don't give them my one. But got to share, right? So I'm like, oh, I got to give them Cliff Bars. So the other week, they asked for snacks, and they wanted Papa's Pop-Tarts. So I'm like, you don't want Cheerios? You sure? (laughs) Trying to give them, you know, cheaper stuff. So they said, no, we want Papa's snacks. So I said, okay. As I'm going to get snacks, I'm like, Papa, we want Papa. I'm like, I'm getting it for you. Hang on. I'm like, Heidi, go give them some snacks before their snacks. She's like, no, I'm going to give them slaps before their snacks. You guys got to behave. And I thought about that. I said, that's what we got to do to our spirit and our, our flesh. We got to say to our flesh, I'm going to give you slaps from my spirit in a good godly manner way. So that's why I'm going to welcome up Pastor Ward Kanaka Ole. Can you come up, Pastor Ward? I want to introduce our men's ministry pastor because... Don't we get cracks in our men's ministry? We, we get, get slaps. slaps, which is good, right? It's a good thing. It's always a good thing. So I asked Pastor Ward to just share with us a couple of things that we've been learning in our men's ministry, uh, as well as, what is it, our plan, our mission, our vision, and the goal. I'll go through the whole thing with okay. you. Okay. You smell like steak. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, our men's ministry are outside cooking right now, and, and they're having a great time because they love to do it. And a lot of the guys say, oh, it's Father's Day. Well, what are they doing? They're doing exactly what they want to do, serve. Mm. And that's what we learn, uh, some of the stuff that we learn in, uh, in uh, Coach's Corner. So here, let me give you a, a plan first. What we do is we take the men from the congregation and put them on the playing field. Take them from the sidelines. Okay, we take them from the sidelines. And we help build them up to become all-star players that are effective in their families, at their working place. Those are some of the stuff that we, uh, our plan. So let me give you a mission. To make all men better, all men, every color, every ethnicity, religious or not, we take them all. And we will teach them what it means to be a godly man. Our vision to empower men everywhere. And then you say, well, what, what do you mean everywhere? Everywhere. You have the mirrors in the back here. When, you, when we men get up in the morning and we look at this mirror at work, what reflects to us? We look at it and we say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I doing any good at all at work with my boss, with my fellow employees, or with my staff? And we look deeply into that and to see where do we stack up. Then we go to this next mirror. Oh, the mirror at home. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I doing any good at all at home with my wife, with my kids? Those are some of the stuff that that we learn. Um, Make men better, 
empowerment everywhere. And this is our goal. We protect this house. We protect this house. And what I mean by that, we start with our hearts. And we learn to lead by taking the initiative to go and to create things and to cultivate things and, and to surround this creation with a nurturing environment that allows our wife to grow, our children to grow. These are some of the stuff that uh, we do at Coach's Corner. One of the things I like about it uh, for me is I, I get to sit and receive because I teach a lot. Some of you are at work and you you do the same thing, you teach a lot, you're always giving, you're giving out, you're giving out. Even in your family, you're pouring out, you're pouring out. This is a time that you really get to receive with other men, good godly habits, good godly habits for men. And it's very specific. And even, even when we're, we're gathering together and we pray for one another, we can understand each other. And we don't talk much as men. I mean, it's, it's very simple. Like, yeah, how's it? Fighting yesterday, passed the word, so pray for me. Shoots, pow, what, and then what, we'll pray. What's said up here stays up here. Good rule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I was, was going to say, never mind. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't ask that. Why? I should. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The time you shared of. With the, no? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so uh, th that's how we talk. Uh, so one time he, boss, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. One time he shared, he, shared about, he shared about something that uh, happened in his family. And the way he shared it was so respectful to his family. Some struggles that he went through. And I thought, Lord, if, if this can be our environment, that it's a safe place for men, then when we talk about things, it's not about who's better, who made a mistake. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm not going to avoid you now. It's really a place that we get to be men, but men of God. Some of you have come to our men's ministry, and, and, or some of you continue to do so. Some of you, you started, here's the funny thing. We prayed for a job. You got a job. Now you can't come. It happens. But the good thing is that we're always there on Saturday mornings. And some of you have not attended for a while. I want to encourage you to come back. Some of you, some of our, uh, we call them our seasoned leaders or our forerunners. Maybe you have come in the beginning and then after a while you just stopped coming. I want to say this to our forerunners, to the generation above. We need you. We so need that generation. And let me tell you why. Because I, and I'm speaking for myself personally, I can't speak for this entire generation. But I need that faithfulness that you guys have in which you grew up with. And when you can pass that on to this next generation, it will benefit the kingdom of God and beyond. And it may be different, things may have changed, but our God remains the same. And so I just want to invite all you men to be here at our men's ministry Saturday mornings at 7 o'clock. I know it's super early, but we get up early for the beach or golf. We get up early for things that are important. I think our relationship with God is that important. And so I'm just going to invite you to be there. And if not, it's okay. Don't, don't let guilt motivate you. Let the Spirit of God motivate you. And then we have fun together, we eat, we talk, we discuss. And we meet for about an hour, hour half. Yeah. 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 But I do, I do want to mention, over there at uh, Coach's Corner, we do have a quest. And this is one of our quests. Yeah, in between my thumb and, and my finger, uh, we have a seed. And we are going to plant as many of these seeds as possible. So that in 20 or 30 years, there will be a great harvest of real, authentic men. Real men of God, whose understanding and purpose in life is that they understand, most of all, that they have a will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love in Christ Jesus. Amen?
Now, we're speaking that way for those who are married, but if you're single, that's fine. You're still going to learn. Or you may be thinking about marriage. You can learn so much. Um, but this is why we do this, because in 30 years, what will this place In 30 like? years, there will be a great harvest, and that great harvest will be for them. Mm. Thank you, Pastor Ward, for sharing. So our, our children are going to grow up in a world that will not get better, but you and I can. Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, because the Spirit is what is giving you life, then walk in that life. Strengthen your spirit more than your flesh. Have I not commanded you, Joshua 1.9 says, to be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says to be strong and courageous. Be strong and, okay, let's say that together. Ready, go. Be strong and courageous. See, you're going to need courage and strength to develop godly habits so that you can lead. And here's the last one. This is, a, this is a habit that we need to develop to follow the king. Follow the king. Jesus is our king. Now we think of an earthly king and we, we get a picture, but he's more than that. He's more than a ruler. He's a loving king. He's a compassionate king. But he's also a powerful king. Great leaders are excellent followers. Excellent followers. Follow the king. See, Jesus came to put death to death. That's what he came to do. He came to kill that which destroys us. Death destroys us. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, we basically became fatherless spiritually. There was a broken relationship with God. But Jesus came to restore that relationship so that we could have a spiritual father once again. That's why we follow the king. We follow Jesus to the very end. We make that declaration when we say yes to him. When we say yes to him, we say, regardless of the circumstances, we're going to follow you. See, Jesus challenged his disciples and he challenges us. He says, anyone who wants to give their last, follow me. Those two simple words change the world. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, denying oneself is unheard of in our world. We don't deny ourselves. We satisfy ourselves. We want more for us. But the Bible says, no, you got to deny yourself. That's what's going to be required to follow me. Kids don't want bigger houses. They don't want more stuff. They don't want new gadgets. They may want that right now, but in the long run, you know what they want? Our children actually want to know what their father really thinks about them. Tangible things will come and go. But every child will wonder, what did my father think of me? Or what does my father think of me? You may live in a household that you didn't grow up with your father. And so your father wasn't a part of your life. And so there's a void there. And for whatever circumstances, it, it left you empty. And only until you understand your heavenly father will that void actually be filled. Sometimes Father's Day is a tough day because of that void. But when we understand our heavenly father, we follow our king, boy, it changes everything. Because now you walk not in approval of man or approval of dad, but now you walk in the approval of your king. To know that you're loved by God changes your life. Because he fills you with his love. Just to be known by God and you know God, that relationship changes your life. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, and he was talking to a rich young ruler, said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. 
that rich young ruler left sad because he wasn't willing to give it all up for Christ. Now, it was in that context that Jesus said, give up everything, sell what you have, and then come follow me because of what the rich young ruler asked. So I don't think Jesus is saying for you, sell everything and get rid of everything and then follow him. If he is saying that, you better make sure you are crystal clearly hearing his voice. Otherwise, your wife going to get mad. <laughs> Somebody's going to get mad. Make sure you're hearing his voice. But what he's saying is, it takes sacrifice to follow me. It's going to take a denying of yourself to follow me. Because my sheep hear my voice, says John 10, 27. They hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He calls us sheep because sheep tend to go astray. They need a shepherd. He is called the good shepherd. So he leads us into better pastures. Otherwise we go astray only to be food for wolves. And in our world, there are many wolves. And the Lord says, just follow me. Follow me. I will lead you. I am your shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And for some of us, today is the day we stop living for less than God's very best. Today is that day. We stop living for less than God's very best. We say yes to him. We follow him. We follow our king. Develop some type of mission statement for your life. Just say, this is who I want to be known for. This is my legacy. And just put it in a short sentence form. I had to do that in my life a while back because I had to think about what, what is my life going to mean. So my mission statement for my life is to release the dreams in others starting with my very own family. It's just that simple. That's what I want to be known for. I don't care if anybody applauds me for it. I, it doesn't bother me on that. All I know is that's my mission. It's to release the dreams in others starting with my very own family. Develop one for yourself. So that you know your mark in life. John 12, 26. It says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. See, we broke that relationship with God the Father. But Jesus came to restore that relationship. And he showed us who God is. Before fatherhood, before you were born, God already had plans for you and I. Before you even came into this world, God said, you're destined for greatness. You're going to lead, but you've got to lead well. And you're going to have to develop that godly habit to lead well. That's going to be the ultimate difference in our lives. It's going to be because we're being led by his spirit to strengthen our spirit more than our flesh. We must follow our king. If you say Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, that's who we follow. I'm going to ask you to pray. And we're going to pray on two things. First, we're going to pray corporately together for us. And then we're going to pray for our fathers. So would you bow your heads for a moment? Lord, right now we know that there is a battle that goes on in our soul. There is a battle that takes place. There is a spiritual war going on in our lives. And we feel it from time to time. So, Lord, we ask right now that as you build our spirit, that our spirit would win over our flesh. That as the day goes by, we're going to feel it come up. May our spirit win. May our spirit win over the flesh. Some of us are here this morning, Lord, and you've been speaking to us. Maybe we've been checking it out for a while, the things of God or this church or a church. But we've never dedicated our lives to you. We've never said yes to you. We've never made that commitment. We've been on the fence and we've been wondering how this all is going to happen. How, how do I change my life? And what we understand, Lord, is that it will only be by your spirit. And for some of you today is your day of salvation, that God has been speaking to you, he's been tugging at your heart, and maybe right now the Lord is saying, I want you to belong to me once again, rather than stray from me, because I've never left you, I was always there, I was there when you were hurting, I was there through the pain, I was there through that obstacle, through that suffering moment, I was the one that held you through that time, through that season. And you may not have recognized it, but now you do. 
And if you want to receive Jesus today, you want to give your heart to him. It's a simple prayer. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And if you want to receive Jesus, could you just hold a hand up just real, real briefly. And, and the reason why I'm asking you to do something physical like that is so that your flesh loses. Your spirit wants it. Your flesh doesn't want to. So could you just lift your hand. Good. God bless you. God sees you back there. Your spirit is winning right now. Right there. God sees all of you right there. God sees your hand. He sees you. Right now, your, your flesh is being weakened because your spirit is winning. Yeah, God sees you right there. God sees you back there. God bless you right here. Yeah, God sees you. It's your spirit that is winning. You're strengthening your spirit. You're saying no to your flesh. You put your hands down. Even us as Christians, we're going to battle with the flesh and spirit. But we want to develop habits to lead well. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Lord, I want to I kind of step it up in leading better. I want to lead better in my family. I want to lead better in my life personally. I want to lead better in ministry, in the church, in my community, at work. I want to lead better, Lord. And so I, wanna, I want my spirit to win right now. And if you're saying, that's me, Lord, I want my spirit to win over my flesh in leading, would you just lift the hand? And in doing so, you're just saying, Lord, I received that today. I want my spirit to win over my flesh. Lord, that's us. You can put your hands down. Let's say this prayer together, all of us. Let's say it out loud so that our flesh loses. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe in you. That you died for me. And you rose again for, for me. I trust in you. I will follow you. And I thank you for being my father. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said amen. Amen. Can we congratulate those that said yes to Jesus this morning?